Hello and welcome to Mashmouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, MASH. I'm Ethan. And I'm Vanessa. Hello, Vanessa. So, obviously, MASH is kind of in a unique position of having major cast replacements pretty early on into the run and then going on for for many, many years afterwards. Um, I feel like a lot of shows don't get that luxury, you know, like... You replace a cast member, and it's kind of done. So I wanted to ask you, do you have any favorite or least favorite moments that a major cast member like left a show or was replaced by another actor late on into the run or like early on, like MASH? So I do. I don't know how far along this was necessarily in the run of the show, but in Three's Company... Uh, Suzanne Summers' character was replaced. Actually, her character was replaced twice. And um, yeah, so the the first girl that they got to replace her was supposed to be her cousin. And she was on for like one season. And then they got another girl to replace her. And then she was the third friend for the rest of the show. But I'm not sure how long. I thought that the replacement, the the final replacement for Chrissy was really good um, because she was she was smart, she was funny, she was kind of the opposite of Chrissy's character on the show. So I thought that that actually worked pretty well. Um, and then the other one that comes to mind for me is Cheers. Kirstie Alley comes in and replaces uh, Shelley Long's character. I think it's about halfway through the show. I'm pretty sure. I, oh, ma- really? Maybe a little bit more. I think that Shelley Long was on the show longer than Kirstie Alley was, but I could be wrong about that. But the show went on for a good number of seasons after Shelley Long left. And while I didn't necessarily love Kirstie Alley's character, because I just really, really liked Diane's character, I think that it was a good replacement. Like she was a she fit in the show very well. So two that I yeah. I particularly really enjoy. I think um and MASH does this, of course, but when you replace a character, if you replace it with kind of the opposite personality, it's hit or miss, but it can work really, really well. Mm-hmm. I think the the shared like focal point for both of us is when in like the third or fourth season of House, they replace a lot of the cast members, mm-hmm. um, but they do it like really smartly where it's like very much in universe. Um, like they the, the other characters are still around, but you know, house is insufferable. So so <laughs> things need to be mixed up just genuinely. Like you couldn't mm-hmm. imagine those guys like actually working there uninterrupted for 10 years. So I think it like works on that level. And the way they bring in like new cast members with like having a bunch of people, but then kind of ruling out the ones that like don't work necessarily mm-hmm. and kind of having a few people stay was like a really interesting way to uh, to do it. And it didn't feel like you were necessarily like replacing them in the way that like tv shows can replace characters it felt very natural to me yeah and with house 2 house was super interesting because you eventually got this merging of the new cast and the old cast into one team and it was it was it was really fun and it was really smart and it injected this new life into the show that i think 
the show really needed at that point, and I thought it was that it was a lot of fun. I, I liked the cast change in house a lot. Yes, it's uh cast changes get a bad rep because there's obviously like bad stuff. Like the last season of that '70s show when they brought in just like this weird guy that no one liked. <laughs> um, but there, there's better examples, and the best example is, of course, Mash, which we're going to talk about today. <laughs> we're going to talk about the intro to I think one of your favorite characters, Colonel Potter. Yes. And let's uh, let's get into it because I, I really do want to know your thoughts on this man because i am brand new to him and i'm very excited to talk about him so let's get into it so in this episode change of command the 4077 gets noticed that the commanding officer frank burns is out and colonel sherman potter is in after a little adjustment colonel potter seems like he's the right fit vanessa what did you think about this episode and the introduction to Colonel Potter? I really liked this episode. I don't think that's going to be a surprise to really anybody. I thought this episode was a great introduction of Colonel Potter. There's some stuff that I actually didn't remember from his introduction uh, that I thought was really interesting to include. So I liked that. I liked how we didn't know exactly how he was going to be originally, like mm-hmm. if he was going to be that really regular army type or if he was going to be, hey, man, you're OK, that kind of thing, because he's for sure not Henry Blake when he arrives on the yeah. scene. But he has a little Henry Blake energy by the end. And that's when I think the audience kind of really knows that they're going to they're going to like Colonel Potter. I have to say that I, I did like that tension, you know. It's similar to BJ that, like, you don't know if he's going to be on Hawkeye's side or or whatever. But, you know, having him be a regular army and still be, like, a good guy, I think, was, like, interesting for the show to do. Because up until this point, regular army was, like, hard code for not getting along with our actual gang. Like, we have to get rid of this guy. But the fact that he's there, he's a career army man since he was... 15 years old and he's still like able to be a chill fun dude that can like play in the uh the mash space of like wacky comedy i thought was very interesting obviously we have seen this actor before in uh i believe the general flipped at dawn um (laughs) i love his voice i love his voice and the way he speaks so I, i am gonna have a very good time I think, with uh, one Colonel Potter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that um, if he hasn't won you over yet, he will grow on you and just be the grandpa that you always have wanted. Um, In the way that Henry Blake is such a dad with his dad jokes, Colonel Potter is for sure your fun grandpa. Um, So (laughs) I'm here for that. Yes. So why don't we get into where this episode starts, which is... Frank being still in command and still being awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's actually kind of funny because it opens with the announcement of like a very one-off joke about some like gambling thing that went on, uh, you know, like they typically do. It's very throwaway, very like just part of the texture of the world. And Frank is like, oh, I'm going to stop them from gambling. So it's funny how they actually brought that into the plot. And, you know... Radar has absconded with the mail because uh, there is some news of a change of wind coming through the camp (laughs) very soon. And Radar was super afraid. Yeah, 
Yeah, I liked how Radar was just like, oh man, this is this is not going to be good. He knows instinctively that Frank is just going to freak out. Um, but before that, Radar goes to the swamp and Hawkeye and BJ are setting up a bar and they Dude, I love this. They yeah, it's so it's so cute. Um, I loved this scene too because Hawkeye gets kind of emotional talking about Henry. They mention Henry. First of all, Frank had mentioned Henry like, oh, he was such a loose commander and this and the other thing, kind of disparaging him. And then Hawkeye mentions him and says, oh, like, I miss him. Uh, he was such a good guy to BJ. And I liked how they aren't shying away from talking about Henry. Like the audience, as we had mentioned in last season, was very upset that Henry passed away. Yes. Um, so I feel like showing it with the characters now is kind of acknowledging that, you know, this thing did happen in universe. And I liked that they weren't just closing the door on Henry being gone. But I did think it was a little bit interesting that they like don't mention Trapper essentially at all. So <laughs> I think that there was maybe some intention with that as well. I don't know. See, it seemed, seemed pretty, yeah. pretty drama filled. You know, just in universe, the whole reason they don't bring him up is because he's like alive and yeah. like at home with his family. <laughs> um, That's true. And in this That's episode, true. they do uh, Hawkeye and BJ build the Henry Blake Memorial Bar, and it doesn't last very long. But I, I loved that uh, just thing for Henry that he, you know, he was a drinking man, and this is how they they honor him by being like, all right. Uh, Frank is out of town. We're going to put a bar in our tent and we're going to name it after Henry. And of course, like the plot demands that uh, Frank move back in. But I thought it was very, very sweet the way that they tie Henry back into the plot, even though he's very much absent from it. And I thought that it was really sweet, too, that BJ sees that Hawkeye kind of got emotional thinking about Henry as, you know, his friend who's no longer here. And BJ was the one who suggested that they name the bar, the Henry Blake Memorial Bar. That's so very nice. That, I think that just kind of indicates the kind of guy BJ is as well. So that that was really sweet. Yeah. Very excited to see more of him, to learn more about his personality as we go through this. Yeah, you'll like him. You'll definitely like him. But Radar bursts in and he says, oh, no, we're getting a new commanding <laughs> officer. Please help me break the news to Frank. And then we get this beautiful, beautiful mess tent scene with Jeff Maxwell playing Igor, the cook of the camp, which just in his true form. Lovely. Just I love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, Hawkeye's not going to break the news lightly. And uh Frank being a real just dictator here with like mashed potatoes in the right place. <laughs> and it was all it was all like the most petty, annoying thing that he could ever do. And just such an indication of why they need a new commanding officer, because like who can run like this? No one, mm -hmm. no one can run like this, especially not our zany little mash unit uh, was just never going to be never going to be Frank Burns. Just time to shine in the sun, really. So, Never going to be the military drones that he wants them to be. Yeah, no, literally. So Frank takes the news surprisingly well until he gets back to Margaret's tent and throws a temper tantrum. I knew this was coming, but I was still anticipating the blow up. Uh, what did you think of that? Mm -hmm. I mean, I am surprised that he did take it well, that he held himself together for a good 40 seconds before <laughs> running into Margaret's tent to cry. 
But I have to commend uh, Larry Linville's performance here because it's so funny. It's so <laughs> that like little kid temper tantrum, which it's hard to do and like hard to make funny. And he does it so well that he's like, it's my match. It's my match. It's my match. Like, <laughs> it's adorable. Like Frank is an adorable little man child when he's like <laughs> upset. It's so funny. It um, is. It and is. he like runs away in this. Like that's the <laughs> plot of the episode, and they mostly ignore it. That he like ran away from home like a six-year-old. This comes back, Frank. <laughs> Frank was definitely a runner when he was a baby, like a like a kid. He would definitely <laughs> run away from his parents because this comes back into play in later episodes. He like runs away <laughs> again for other reasons, which I won't spoil for you because you actually don't know what these reasons are. Ooh. Um, Ooh. <laughs> but it's so funny that they kind of establish that when Frank is upset <laughs> that he just runs away. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which, again, kind of <laughs> highlights the hypocrisy of Frank Burns, you know, um, where he is very yeah. much like, oh, we have to be tip top regular army, this and the other thing. And then he goes AWOL when he doesn't get his way. So like, hello, hypocrisy. Frank is military man. Got to be upright. Got to be doing this. Got to be falling in line. And then the second, the literal second that he doesn't get his way within the military bureaucracy system that he loves, his solution is to run away like a child, not even considering that like that could get him dishonorably discharged, really, if they find him again. Like, if it was a bigger deal, you know, that could cost him his military career. But he's very lucky that no one in camp really cares about him enough (laughs) to, like, report it. You know what I mean? Well, also, Margaret's kind of covering for him. So we're jumping the gun a little bit, but let's go back to when... So Frank finds out that he's going to be replaced as the commanding officer and then enter... Colonel Sherman T. Potter. Woo! (laughs) We saw in last episode at the very tail end, um, this scene where Radar is sunning himself and Colonel Potter shows up and uh, Radar (laughs) is like, oh, can I cover my nakedness? And he is so like, I can't believe I was basically caught with my pants down um, (laughs) when this new Colonel shows up. I thought that that was so sweet. Especially that he tells him to basically shove off before he realizes who he is. (laughs) Well, I just felt bad because this was probably Radar's first opportunity to relax since Frank took command. So, and then of course this happens to him. (laughs) Of course the new Colonel shows up while he's half naked. So this is our introduction to uh, Sherman Potter. And I have to mention that um, since I started doing the show, you know, my mom will occasionally check in and be like, because she, she's seen MASH as well. Not as much as, like, your mom. She's not a big fan of it, but she knows the show, like, pretty well. And occasionally, she'll ask me, like, oh, are you up to Harry yet? Have you met Harry? You'll love Harry. And that's because Sherman Potter's actor's name is Harry Morgan. So for some reason, she just calls him Harry. Um, so for a long time... I just thought that Colonel Potter's full name was Harry Potter, and no one ever <laughs> talked about that. Oh, how disappointing for you to find out that his name is not Harry Potter. <laughs> I am devastated. I thought that would have been amazing if we could just constantly talk about Harry Potter without talking about Harry Potter. <laughs> that is too funny. Um, no, unfortunately, well, no, I guess fortunately, I don't know. <laughs> um 
This is Sherman T. Potter. Um, so I know this character well, and I know that this introduction is uh, a more kind of stifled version of who he is. So I wanted to get, mm-hmm. I wanted to know what your reaction was in this first scene where he feels very regular army type. So what did yeah. you think about that? This was like an interesting way to introduce his character. Because like we said, it is kind of bristling against Radar, which is very unique because Radar doesn't tend to pick fights with anybody, but he is kind of starting off on the wrong foot here. And he is very regular army. But again, the way that he speaks is inherently kind of funny. So it does kind of put your guard down. Like, I mean, obviously I knew that he'd play along with like the cast being like fun and everything. But I didn't think that he would be... A, a difficult person once he kind of threw out these weird mannerisms, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he, he wasn't quite the antagonist that maybe he could be in a different version of this character. Yeah, I agree with you. To me, this was a great first introduction of who Colonel Potter is, um, because we will see later on, he kind of, like, loosens up a little bit, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But, like they had established, he is regular army, so... I think that him kind of being more straight-laced here and in this next scene, too, where he is addressing all of the officers of the unit, um, you're kind of like, oh, okay, is this guy going to let them be themselves or is he going to kind of force them to be more straight-laced or whatnot? I think that it was interesting for him to be more strict in these first few scenes to kind of command that respect from everybody and be like, hey, you know, I'm still not going to take your bullshit just because I'm the new guy here. But, you know, he needed to kind of establish himself as the commanding officer more so than maybe Henry had in the past. So I thought that that was just just a really, really interesting introduction to who Colonel Potter is. But even then, right, uh, with him being a bit more strict and definitely way more in the military camp than Henry ever was, the fact that he's not really mad at Radar for tanning and kind of telling him to shove off was a great like indicator that he is a little bit more flexible than someone like Frank would be. You know, like there is room here for uh, some camaraderie. Yeah, and then in the scene, too, where he's introduced to Klinger and Klinger's in the dress and Colonel Potter's kind of just having none of it. He's just like, I know that you're not actually crazy. You're you're gunning for a Section 8 to get out of the army, get out of those clothes. Like, that's it. I'm not dealing Mm -hmm. with this. So uh, I, I thought that him kind of being around for a long time too works in his favor of like, yeah, I've seen it all. You're not gonna get one past me. Yeah, I really loved the Klinger uh, bit in this, like the running bit that he has with him kind of barging into the office and like telling Potter that he's insane and like needs a Section 8. I was like, buddy, if you were crazy, you wouldn't go around telling other people that you're crazy. Like, come on, (laughs) work on those acting chops, kind of be a weirdo. Don't tell people you're a weirdo. Um and it was like a nice reset to Klinger's kind of gimmick of wearing dresses that he was like, okay, it's not going to work. And then, you know, later on in the episode, he's just like, well, I guess I have to wear these for psychological <laughs> healing reasons. And Potter's like, yeah, that's fine, man. Do do what you got. Do what you want to do. 
um, was kind of this great establishing of like, yes, he is by the book that he will tell Klinger to get out of those clothes, but also if he's back in those clothes, he's he's not going to really put up too much of a fuss. He's been around the block, I guess. Yeah, we'll get to that um, a little bit later, but I also think that when he was telling Klinger, get out of those clothes, I know you're not crazy, this and the other thing, I was like, okay, okay, so he's, he's not going to take any... I was trying to watch this very much with uh, fresh eyes, as if this was the, mm-hmm. my first introduction to Colonel Potter, very much so like I was trying to do in Henry's last episode as well. So I think that that coupled with this next scene where he's addressing all of the officers of the camp and he addresses Hawkeye and Hawkeye says, yo, and Colonel Potter says, keep your yo's to yourself. I feel like that's when I would kind of be starting to like, uh oh, this guy's not gonna like let Hawkeye be his mm-hmm. goofball self. You know what I mean? I I think that you're supposed to be very uneasy with this character still at this point. So I was trying to feel uneasy about him. <laughs> no, there definitely is like an uneasiness here, but I think that Harry Morgan just naturally has like a lot of charisma in his mm-hmm. like performance of this. Like, he's a very charming speaker. So I was immediately, as someone new to this character, and as someone who kind of avoided watching this section of the show because I didn't want to see the Henry replacement, you know? Like, I loved Henry. I didn't want to see Henry, like, gone by some random dude. He did kind of not instantly, like, win me over, win me over, where I'm like, oh, he's the best. Like, I'm still interested to see where this guy will go but i think like the keep your yo's to yourself was also like a nice little like he's not quite military like freak about it where like he he's like okay you don't have to like address me like you would um yeah i think that i think that that was very telling as well about Kind of, uh, like I said before, he's playing more straight-laced here, I feel, than, like, the character, like, Colonel Potter mm-hmm. is being more straight-laced than he necessarily would, um, because he has to establish that, you know, respect and that he is the commanding officer and whatnot. So I think that that was indication, you know, they're not going to be calling him Sherman like they did with Henry, um, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So I thought that that was... That was two sides of the same coin almost of like yeah i'm not going to force you to be super regulated in your addressing of me but also know that i'm not your pal at this point you know what i mean yeah it is a good balance so let's talk about the rest of this scene too because i thought it was really funny actually um which is (laughs) we're talking about this as if it's like this really stilted uh oh this drama of colonel potter but this scene was super funny when he's addressing the officers because i don't know if you noticed and maybe it was me just noticing these things a little bit more having known these characters a little bit more than you have but (laughs) when Colonel Potter addresses Margaret. She like stands up really straight, chest out and stuff like that. And Hawkeye makes fun of her and BJ's laughing about it, but he's not making fun of her Mm -hmm. in the same way. And I thought that that was really, really interesting because 
BJ just like kind of doesn't know her well enough yet to really make fun of her. And I just I thought that that was just so funny and such a good thing to throw in there directorial wise of BJ laughing along to Hawkeye, but Hawkeye being the one to make fun of her because I feel like Trapper Trapper and Hawkeye would have been like making fun of her in that scene. I thought that that was really, really cool. Um, One thing that I really loved about the scene where they learned that Frank is no longer going to be a commanding officer is that BJ was like hooting and hollering as much as Hawkeye was. And Mm -hmm. I was like, buddy, you've only been there uh, a couple weeks. Like, come on, man. But it, it was, like, great to establish that there is this, like, rapport between them, that they both can laugh at the same things. And they're both against uh, Frank and Margaret at this time, even though it's <laughs> only been a very short while. Um, another thing that I noticed and I liked is that Hawkeye does his famous uh, bad salute that you mentioned yes, before. Yes, yes. Now I notice that everywhere. Yes, you will start noticing it every single time. Anytime there's a salute, Hawkeye does not salute. <laughs> so I also wanted to mention um, the iconic line when Margaret says, uh, when Frank, sorry. Just when Colonel, friends, sir. <laughs> when Colonel Potter says, Oh, Frank Burns, as in like addressing Frank Burns next. And Margaret says, just friends, sir. I I mm-hmm. should have saved it for lines, but that is just such an iconic line to me. I feel like that is, that's just everything. <laughs> the look that Hawkeye gives her was incredible. Just this like, <laughs> what are you doing? You're blowing it. Uh, it was so funny. <laughs> I thought it was so funny when Colonel Potter is looking at Hawkeye's personnel file and he opens it and he just closes it immediately. <laughs> he does not even comment on it. He sees everything written in there and he's like, nope, not dealing with that. Yeah, that's another uh, thing that I like. Well, semi-related. I like that Colonel Potter is chewing out Hawkeye and BJ for like having a weenie roast in the latrine or something. <laughs> I like that they're having off-screen adventures just to kind of establish their their friendship that they now have. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Um, and so right after this scene where we learned that Frank has kind of thrown a temper tantrum and run away from home, um, <laughs> Margaret tells both BJ and Hawkeye that this happened with Frank and they start just hysterically laughing about mm-hmm. it. And like I said before, we're kind of being eased into BJ a little bit. And the I liked how the writers were kind of establishing that BJ was still the new guy in town instead of just kind of forcing him into that trapper yeah. mold. Um, because if you see in the scene, they're both hysterically laughing and Margaret kind of like grabs Hawkeye to like tell him to shut up. But she doesn't touch BJ, you know, because she doesn't know him like that almost. And I don't know if it's like kind of reading into it too much, but... I thought that that was a really interesting piece of the show where BJ is fitting in so well into the rapport of the rest of the cast already, but they're still making sure that the audience knows that he's still the new guy and people are still warming up to him. So I thought that that was just a really well done little piece of just character interactions. Yeah, it's the it's the subtle things that like make this kind of thing work that no one is like replacing any other character like they're there now but they're not like oh forget about trapper forget about henry mm-hmm. Th- these are our new guys 
Like there is kind of this this tension for missing Henry that like this energy is not the same with Colonel Potter that he is a different man and the same thing with BJ that he is um they they don't know him that well yet but he is like a cool guy that they can hang out with there is yeah. that's pretty fun that they gave that kind of intentionality that they cared about the audience kind of growing to endear to both these guys rather than just demanding that we love them immediately <laughs> Yeah, and I think that that was a smart part on the writer's choice because of how abruptly Trapper left and how upset the audience was at Henry's death. Um, I think easing us into these new characters was the right way to go and especially Mm -hmm. making them as likable as they did. So speaking of that too, in the next scene we get, uh, this is actually the first operating scene for both BJ and and Colonel Potter. And this is what I was talking about before where I noticed something in this episode that I hadn't previously noticed before, that Hawkeye told Margaret to just be aware of Colonel Potter because it they had just learned that he was doing mostly administrative work right before mm-hmm. coming to the MASH unit. So he hadn't been in an operating room for two plus years. So I didn't realize in my f- watches of this show that they were skeptical of Colonel Potter's age and his ability in this first scene yeah. um, with him in the OR. So I just, I thought that that was really interesting and also how it was kind of this interesting test for BJ as well, because this is his first time operating too. So it's a test for both of these characters. And I thought that that was, it'll pan out, but it I thought it was really, really well done. I'll be honest, I did not fully pay attention to BJ in this scene. I was more focused on Colonel Potter because this is his episode. But I really like what they did with Colonel Potter here because throughout the episode, before we get to this operating scene, they are talking about him like that he's a career military doctor. So Hawkeye's like worried that he's just going to like cut people open, send them on their way and like barely get any like work done. And they're like, oh, he's such a career man. Why are they sending him here? He must be like a lame duck. Like he Mm -hmm. must be like trash. Um, But then we get into the surgery scene and it immediately endears him to them. Like how the level that he's working on that he actually does care I thought was very simple, but like a great way to demonstrate that this character is worthy of being part of the gang, more or less, Mm -hmm. Um, that he he is a hard worker, that he's a good doctor. Something universal in the show is like the good characters are just all good doctors. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was great to see. Like I said before, going into this scene, they... Both Colonel Potter and BJ kind of had something to prove about themselves and their abilities as mm-hmm. doctors. I really liked how Margaret and Hawkeye were the two seasoned professionals in this MASH unit who were both keeping an eye on the two newbies. Uh, I thought that that was a really great choice from the writers. And I loved the part where BJ starts to feel very overwhelmed and Colonel Potter comes over and starts assisting him in the surgery. Yeah. And he starts uh, he starts telling him, you know, you're not going to lose this patient. This is what you have to do, this, that, and the other thing. And I thought that it was so great that to get these two new characters together were both proving themselves as very good doctors. And it, but just like in different ways, almost like 
BJ Mm -hmm. is so new that he has to prove that he can do this. And Colonel Potter is much older, so he has to prove that he can still do this. I thought it was a great choice for the writers to put these two in this scene together. Man, you're right. Again, I was not paying attention to like BJ in this section. I was like focused on the new man, even though they're both new men. But like, you know, Colonel Potter Mm -hmm. sticks out. But, like, you're right, there's a lot of great parallels and, like, great subtle character work here. And I am just always surprised at, like, the level of writing the show actually has. Yeah. It's not just, like, funny one-liners, like, fast talk, that there is, like, this much thought put into the the dynamics and character interactions and kind of parallels between them. Uh, it's so fun to discuss because if we weren't doing this podcast, I would not think about that at all, but mm-hmm. it's all there. Like there's so much meat on the, the bone, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, like just hats off to the writers <laughs> for this episode. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought they did yeah. such a good job. Um, it's such a balancing act. Yeah, absolutely. And trying to get these characters to be settled with the audience and settled in their place there and then showing that they are good at what they do. And then even in this post-op scene, too, where Colonel Potter and Hawkeye and BJ are all washing up and Colonel Potter, very funny, says, uh, oh, I could use a belt at 3.30 in the morning. Um, and I felt like he had proved himself in the OR as a capable doctor, and now he's proving himself to Hawkeye and BJ as, and the audience as well as a friendly CO. And I, I just really liked how everything kind of came together there. I think it's so funny and so 70s, right, that they're like, oh, Colonel Potter's a good dude. We can drink with him, and we can drink <laughs> with him a lot. Uh, that's just so funny. So 70s kind of guys, you know, like what 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 do guys do together? They drink. Like that's <laughs> that's how you form friendships. Yeah, and and it was a it was a fun callback too to the beginning of the episode where um Hawkeye is telling BJ, "Oh, Henry could put drinks away like no one else. You know, he was mm-hmm. a big drinker, this and the other thing." And then to have Colonel Potter also come and drink with them, yeah. I thought was just like a very good rounded round out of the episode. And I know we haven't talked about like Frank's return, which is very quick, but I love that the end of the episode is them all like drunk together, kind of singing into the night. It was like a very just chill, fun way to end this episode and kind of introduce us to who would become, like, I imagine, a very good friend to everyone at camp. I I don't know. Maybe he's not, (laughs) but I imagine that he's a pretty chill guy at the end of the day. Yeah, and I liked in this scene where they're all drinking in the swamp, too. You kind of know that Colonel Potter is for sure going to be all right because um, Hawkeye says to... Colonel Potter, hey, listen, we got to talk about Klinger and his dresses and essentially like getting Colonel Potter to Mm -hmm. relent that Klinger who has this psychosomatic rash from not wearing his dresses (laughs) (laughs) gets to wear them now. And I I loved that. I thought it was great. Even uh, just as part of the, the Klinger thing, I like that this has gone from him basically trying to say that he's crazy to more or less saying like I wear dresses because I like it and like that's kind of 
just fun you know what i mean like that's mm-hmm. just kind of a fun thing for that character yeah yeah i loved in the end too where frank finally reports to colonel potter and and all <laughs> Klinger also comes into the office while frank is there and colonel potter just says oh yeah nice dress Klinger." and frank is just so confused and yeah, that's how dude. you know <laughs> it's great we need a commanding officer who appreciates high fashion, okay? Yes, like, if, absolutely. Like, if you like dresses, you're good. And Henry did, because he had the picture of Klinger in the pink gown in his wallet. So yes, we know we always course. need a commanding officer who appreciates high fashion, like you said. <laughs> yes. Um, last thing I do want to mention before we move on to other segments is that I do like that Colonel Potter greatly enjoys horses i just think that's a fun thing for him to have (laughs) that he is a wall decorated with horses and he appreciates that hawkeye can apparently call out like a good horse rump when he sees it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i loved the little bonding moment that they had while colonel potter is kind of setting up his office still and they're looking at the horse pictures and whatnot I felt like that was such a fun little getting to know you type of thing of just mm-hmm. who the person is or who Colonel Potter is as a person outside of the commanding officer, Colonel Potter. So I, I liked that after that drinking scene, it's kind of establishing that they are getting to know each other, that they're going to have a good relationship. So mm-hmm. I, I was left with warm fuzzies at the end of this episode. <laughs> And that he loves his wife, too. We love a yes. man who's committed to his spouse. <laughs> yes, that he salutes uh, Mrs. Potter every morning. How cute. Yeah, especially, you know, older couple. We love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Ethan, do you have any favorite lines from this episode? I didn't think this one was super line heavy, but I had a couple. Yeah, I do. I have one line, which I thought was very, very funny. Frank, very upset says oh but i've already told mommy and margaret is like oh well you know your mother will understand and he's like no i mean my wife and then margaret's like what are you doing what kind of relationship do you have is just the most insane thing for for frank to say in that moment very very in character for him i thought which i i really laughed at because it's like wow frank is truly kind of out there as a He's not a normal man. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. One of my favorites was when Radar tells Hawkeye and BJ that they are getting a new commanding officer and they look over basically like Colonel Potter's bio, I think, before he gets there. And Hawkeye goes, a career man. That's even worse than Frank, who's neither one nor the other. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very quick line, but I thought it was really good. We love to just take down Frank in this episode. (laughs) All of our lines are just demolishing him, except for... I had to note down a few Colonel Potter lines because I really like how this man speaks. And I I really like when he says, Radar is like, oh, we have hamsters. And Colonel Potter just says, oh, hamsters. All they do is eat lettuce and make jelly beans. <laughs> Such a funny, weird way to express that. If you like the way Colonel Potter speaks, his vernacular, stuff like that, his word choice, you're going to love, love I think him. I am. <laughs> You are. You definitely are. So, Vanessa, I hear that you may have some trivia about Harry Morgan for us today. I do. So, Harry Morgan plays Colonel Sherman T. Potter for the rest of the MASH series. 
So, Harry Morgan was born Harry Brotsberg in 1915 in Detroit, Michigan. In high school, Morgan was a debate team champion and apparently wanted to pursue a law degree when he was attending the University of Chicago. Again, another man wanting to get a law degree. We, we love to see it. Everyone, like, wants to be a lawyer and then decides to be an actor. I think we have your path in life, Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, will I become an actor later on? Who knows? <laughs> But speaking of acting, um, Harry Morgan began acting in his junior year of college instead of pursuing a law degree, which honestly, that was the better choice, Harry Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) So he began acting professionally in 1937 when he joined Lee Strasberg's group theater collective in New York City, another Lee Strasberg alum. Some high profile guys in this cast. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. In his early career, he was in the original production of the play Golden Boy on Broadway. Morgan also lived with the famous Burl Ives in California for a few months in 1947. Or, I'm sorry, in 1943. Wow, uh, Burl Ives, very, very famous man. That's kind of crazy. Isn't that, isn't that insane? I love the famous roommate thing. I know, isn't that so much fun? Morgan also hosted the NBC radio series Mystery in the Air in 1947. So that's how long this man has had a career. I can see it. He's got an excellent voice and probably an excellent radio performance within him. I would have loved to hear him on a podcast. Yes. (laughs) So I found Morgan's career really interesting because unlike a lot of the actors that I've done research on, MASH was kind of the beginning of their careers, but Harry Morgan had a really extensive career before he got on MASH, so let me recount some of that now. Films Morgan did include The Oxbow Incident, Dragonwick, High Noon, Torch Song, The Glenn Miller Story, which, interestingly enough, Morgan was reportedly close friends with Glenn Miller, and that's why he got cast in this movie about Glenn Miller's oh, life, so very cool. Um, How the West Was Won, Snowball Express, and The Shootist. Morgan acted alongside many famous actors and actresses in these films, including Henry Fonda, Gary Cooper, Grace Kelly, Joan Crawford, John Wayne, and Elvis Presley, just to name a few. He worked with Elvis? That's kind of crazy. Yes, he did. Yes, I know. Morgan was also in a number of TV shows before MASH as well, including Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Peter and Gladys, The Partridge Family, and Gunsmoke, but his best-known performance in TV besides MASH is as Officer Bill Gannon in the TV show version of Dragnet, which aired from 1967 to 1970. And Morgan also did a supporting role in the 1987 Dragnet film starring Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks. Whoa. So this man is just kind of hit after hit. Yeah, absolutely. Like he was he was for sure well known before he became Colonel Potter and I am <laughs> I'm cringing because I didn't know any of this. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that he was a guest star before becoming like a regular character. Obviously they they liked him a lot if they wanted to bring him on to replace uh the Henry Slot. Yeah, so speaking of uh his time on MASH. So Morgan won an Emmy for his role as Sherman Potter in MASH and also directed several episodes in the later seasons of the show. Ooh, and love that. I, I know. I love when the actors direct. We've, we've established that. That's one of my favorite things. So a little MASH trivia fun facts. Apparently, the picture of Mrs. Potter that appeared on Colonel Potter's desk was actually Morgan's real-life wife, Eileen Decton, and one of the drawings of a horse behind his desk was apparently drawn by Morgan's grandson. 
Oh, that's great. I love Isn't that cool? real life wives and real life grandsons. That's very cool. <laughs> Morgan reprises role of Colonel Potter in the spinoff Aftermash, which I think we've discussed uh, a little bit on the show before. Um, he mm-hmm. also appeared in the Disney movies The Apple Dumpling Gang and its sequel, which several previous guest stars on MASH were also in. And interestingly enough, he was in The Cat from Outer Space opposite McLean Stevenson. Oh, yeah. We talked about The Cat from Outer Space in the season finale, if anyone wants to go back and listen to <laughs> us briefly talk about it. Morgan guest starred in several other TV shows after the conclusion of MASH, uh, some of them including The Love Boat, Murder, She Wrote, which, like I said, every MASH alum has been on Murder, She Wrote, which so much fun. We're going to have to check that out. That is officially <laughs> on the docket. <laughs> You'll like this, Ethan. He also played a voice in The Simpsons. And I like this. He had um, a little guest slot appearance in three episodes of Third Rock from the Sun, which I don't remember, but (laughs) I will definitely be going back and watching. That would be a lot of fun. (laughs) He, I bet, killed it on Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Morgan passed away peacefully in his sleep on December 7th, 2011 at the age of 96. And I actually remember when this happened. He was one of the first actors I remember passing away after I watched the show. So I I do recall this and and just the, the amazing career that this man had. And I, I had no idea. 96 is a very, very good run. Yes. Um, that That is kind of wonderful actually that he has such a long career and such a long life thank you for sharing yeah of course i i like i said i found his career super interesting and i can't believe that i didn't know about it before now okay so what was your martini rating for this episode i think that this episode is a very solid four out of five like it's very very good doesn't push it over to be like incredible like i think the last two episodes were kind of incredible for what they like accomplish and what they were trying to do. But this is a much more like mash regular episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a great, like fun, silly introduction to a man who will, I assume I will grow to love and adore as much as you do. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I, like I said, with last episode, it's a five out of five in my heart, of course. <laughs> but um, objectively, it's like I, I would give this one actually a 3.5 um, because I liked how like it, this set this one apart for me in terms of the introduction because we got to see that one scene with Colonel Potter and BJ together in the operating room. And I just I really thought that the writers just really did a good job um Mm -hmm. with the introduction with bj still being new stuff like that so definitely a 3.5 for me you and your objectivity just (laughs) let yourself fully enjoy things man come on (laughs) no could never be me (laughs) but yeah i thought this was a very good introduction yeah i'm really glad that you liked it too i'm so excited for you to keep watching these episodes with the new characters and get your takes on them as like fresh eyes yeah, it's it feels weird, right? Because I'm I'm new to these guys, but I also have to like talk about them like I I know them very well. Um, so it's funny to kind of do this podcast while meeting these characters. Yeah, it's gonna. I think that it's gonna turn into a lot of really interesting discussions between us. So I'm excited. I'm very excited as well. So 
just wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob for your balco for being our technical consultant, Vanessa's sister, Melissa, for awesome cover art, and, of course, our listeners. Links to our music, social media, and contact with the show are in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 4, Episode 4, It Happened One Night. But until then, hang a bunch of horse pictures on your office walls. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone.